We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. I'm thankful for my godly parents who had a central role in leading me to Christ and nurturing my spiritual growth. Growing up in a pastor's family, I was in a position to observe them, not only within the public eye of church, but also, of course, within the privacy of our home. And over the years, they have genuinely, consistently practiced what they preached giving me a Christ-like example to follow. Their profound love for the Lord has influenced my walk with Christ and devotion to His Word. About 16 years ago, my mother, Catherine Brown, was diagnosed with colon cancer. In the course of pre-surgery testing, the doctors discovered what led to two other cancers. Although her journey with cancer hasn't been easy, Her confidence in God's goodness has challenged many. In 2007, Sweeter Than Honey, the testimony of Catherine Brown, was recorded at a women's conference. And today, it's our privilege to share her story with you. I want to tell you about a journey that I began about four years ago. My prayer for a long time now is that my story will help someone here today who may be going through a very difficult time. The person I am speaking about may be feeling very frightened about something or like they will never be able to crawl out of a deep, dark pit. They might even feel like life is no longer worth living. If that person is you, It is to you that I mainly speak today. I am pleading with you to listen to me, for I have a truth to share with you that is able to turn your entire life around. My prayer is that you can open your ears, but listen with your heart. I was racking my brain for an introduction to my story, But all that kept popping up into my mind was that attention-getting first lines from Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. Remember what they are? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And those two statements best sum up what I am about to share with you. Four years ago, a series of events occurred that launched me into the worst nightmare of my life. And yet, at the same time, it began a chapter of my life that I would not give up for all the money in the world. Why? Because it changed who I am. It changed how I think. And I have never been more content or more joyful than I am today. And so, here begins my tale. It was the best of times, It was the worst of times. I have always been afraid of doctors, and because of that fear, I avoided them. 
My philosophy was basically, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. So since I had been experiencing relatively good health, I had not seen a doctor since my last child was born, which at that time was 20 years prior. Then my mother, who loves me dearly, entered the scene. She had been prodding me for a long time to just get a checkup. And finally, because my mother wouldn't let it go, just to please her, I made an appointment for a routine physical. The exam went by without incident. My primary care physician said that everything looked great, but since I was now 50, it was time to have my first colonoscopy. I felt relieved to get a good report from my doctor, but I really wasn't surprised because I hadn't been feeling like anything was wrong with me. A couple of weeks later, I underwent my first colonoscopy. After the procedure was over, and my husband and I were waiting in that waiting room, the recovery room part, for the doctor to return, I told my husband that I didn't know if I was dreaming or not because I'd been put asleep, you know, with the anesthesia. But I was sure I could remember the doctor being really alarmed during my colonoscopy and asking his attendants if I was in there just for a routine procedure. I told my husband that I had a funny feeling that something might be wrong. The doctor came in and he confirmed my feelings. He had discovered a very large tumor in my colon that he believed was probably cancer. He then told me that it had to be removed immediately. Not only that, but he said that because of the size and location of the tumor, that I would probably have a permanent colostomy. Now, I have to explain to you that when that doctor started shooting all that information off to me, it was like I was standing in front of a machine gun and the bullets were coming at me with lightning speed. The word tumor, let alone a large one, was the first bullet that hit me with full force. The words cancer and colostomy were fired off and made a direct hit. But I was in so much shock that I couldn't think fast enough to ask questions. I didn't really even know what a colostomy was at that point, but I knew it wasn't anything good. As soon as I got home, I looked it up on the internet. Oh boy, that immediately threw me into a condition of deeper shock and terrible panic. I wanted an escape hatch and I wanted it now. <laughs> now for those of you who are like me, or like I was, and did, don't know what a colostomy is, a colostomy is a surgical procedure that involves cutting a hole in the abdomen, pulling the end of the large intestine through that hole, and then sewing the end of the intestine onto the outside of your body. And from that point on, you have to wear an appliance, which is basically a special bag on the outside of your tummy to capture all of your body waste. Now, I know that is no big deal for some people, but that was not the case with me. I was so devastated over the possibility of having a colostomy for the rest of my life that cancer paled in comparison. 
I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, brother, well, she doesn't have much character. And I realize that that is not a good reflection on my character. But as I share my journey with you today, I'm not going to hide anything. This is the way it was. I was so decimated by this news that I did not share it with anyone for about a month. I just kept hoping I would wake up and realize it was only a very, very bad dream. Only my husband, my adult children, and my parents knew about this. It was a burden so heavy and so sorrowful to me that I could not discuss it with anyone else. I felt like I was in a very dark place, a very lonely place with nowhere to escape. Have you ever felt like that? I really felt like my body was going to be turned into some horrible, ugly monster figure. I desperately needed help and was turning to the Lord on a minute-by-minute basis, but it took me about a month to allow the Lord to pull me out of that dark, bottomless pit. It was God's precious word, words that were sweeter than honey, that rescued me from that pit. God's word, sweeter than honey to my taste. I love it that the girls sang Psalm 91 today because Psalm 91 was one of my, the many really sweet sections in God's word that began the renewing of my mind. Yeah, renewing. God's word says that we can actually renew or renovate or change the way we think. We are not prisoners against our own will in the way we think. Now think about that. That's really meaty. Romans 12:2 says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." In a minute, I'm going to read Psalm 91 to you, but first let me explain that the first four verses in that chapter have to do with the power of God's protection. And this protection is a tremendous blessing. But Listen to this part. It's not for everyone. Verse 1 makes it clear that it is only for the believer who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now let me ask you this important question. Have you ever believed on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior from sin? Can you think back to a day that you realized you were banished from heaven because of your sin and your only salvation was to believe in Jesus Christ as your substitute for paying the price of sin? Jesus died and was buried and rose again that all of us might have eternal life. But first, we have to believe on him as our Savior. If there is anyone here who doesn't really know what I'm talking about, maybe you've heard the terminology, but you're really not sure, I wish that you would pull me aside today and tell me. Or get my phone number if you don't feel comfortable, or you can't get to me today. Get my phone number from one of the ladies. Most of the ladies here know my number. And call me. And I would dearly love to explain to you how you can absolutely know for sure if you're going to heaven someday. Are you dwelling in the shelter of the Most High? 
This tremendous promise of protection is for those who have not only believed in Christ as their Savior from sin, but also live in close fellowship with him. And the only way to be super close with God is to allow him to be constantly speaking to you through his word and then believing it and then obeying it. Now, back to the subject of walking closely with God. It's possible to be saved and bound for heaven, but not walking closely with the Lord. Many Christian women are just like I was. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. They go merrily along in life. They're enjoying a loving husband, their dear children, a precious church family, a nice home, good health, and then suddenly, without warning, there's a diagnosis of a colostomy or a prodigal child or unfaithfulness in a marriage, loss of a job, the threat of losing a home. You fill in the blank, whatever your, tri- your trial is that you're going through, and everything you hear today will apply to your trial. At first, we are overwhelmed, and it looks like all of our dreams and happiness have been taken away. We're plunged into sorrow, despair, and sometimes even bitterness. It appears that all hope is gone. Then slowly maybe even a little reluctantly, bit by bit, we bring ourselves into the frame of mind that we should have been in at all times. We finally understand that all the things that were keeping us happy and carefree, they were never intended to possess our heart. But how do we achieve that understanding? Listen as I read the first four verses of Psalm 91, and keep in mind it's about God's protection. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my God and my fortress, my God in who I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. Okay, after one month of numerous humiliating and uncomfortable tests, and second and third opinions from doctors, my surgery was scheduled. The escape hatch that I was so desperately seeking was nowhere to be found. There was nowhere for me to flee but straight into the arms of my Savior. At that point, I was reaping the benefits of being in the shelter of the Most High. He was my fortress now, and his wings covered me. One month has gone by now since the news, and now I am ready to share my burden with the rest of my family and friends. I sure wish I had done that sooner, because Galatians 6.2 went immediately into fact. And I know you know this verse, bear one another's burdens. I literally had, it still chokes me up. An entire army of beloved saints, many of them were you, and I love you forever for that. 
and some from all over the world, and some of them were people I had never even met. And you all shared in the load and made my burden lighter for me. And you are continuing to do that to this day. In January of 2006, I underwent my first major surgery. When I went into that surgery, I had no idea if I was going to receive a colostomy or not. My, my surgeon assured me that he would do his very best to prevent a colostomy while removing the huge tumor, but he couldn't make any promises. I told the Lord I was ready for his perfect will, and I really was. When I woke up that same day, my hand went immediately down to my stomach, and I could feel something there that had never been there before, and I knew my body was now majorly altered, and I was a recipient of a colostomy. You know what? It was well with my soul. As I read verses 5 through 10 of Psalm 91, remember the first part was about protection, and now you're going to see what that protection gave me when I found out I had my colostomy. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. You see, ladies, the absence of fear is peace. I no longer feared living with a colostomy. It was not a threat to me. Now think about that. I got my colostomy that I did not want, believe me, but I still got peace. You would think it'd have to be the other way around. No colostomy and then peace. But no, my God is a mighty God. Under his wings, I am safely abiding Though the night deepens and the tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me and I am his child. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his lover, love can sever? Under his wings, my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. Conquer your doubts and fears. Doubts and fears are your enemies. You must aggressively attack the enemy with the most powerful weapon in the world. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's Hebrews 4.13. When hard times hit and send you in a tailspin, try this. Get yourself a piece of paper and start listing every doubt and fear that you have. And then get your Bible out and, and search for the facts about those fears and write them right next to the doubts. When I allowed myself to be plunged into a bottomless pit of fear and despair, I knew the only way out was with God. 
and I began a desperate quest for help in his word. He was right there to help me. Every fear and doubt that gripped my heart was confronted by fact from his word. I'd write them on little scraps of paper and jam them into my pocket and take them with me when I had to go to the hospital for a frightening and invasive test. And as my fear would threaten to take control, such as the fear, has God quit loving me? I would pull out my little scrap of paper and read, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's in Romans 8.39. I did this for all the enemies of my mind. And when I would begin to feel that I was in trouble too deep even for God to help me out, I'd pull out my little scrap of paper that read, Nothing will be impossible with God. That's Luke 1.37. And, Ah, Lord, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. That's Jeremiah 32, 17. And behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? That's Jeremiah 32, 27. When I was laying on a cold hospital table without my husband and feeling so completely alone, oh, you can't imagine that feeling, because they wouldn't let him come in with me, and shaking, and I mean literally shaking with fear in anticipation of the test I was about to undergo, because let me tell you, I am one of the biggest cowards in the world. I would remember my little scraps of paper that told me, I am never alone. Because God says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's Hebrews 13, 5. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That's Deuteronomy 31, 8. And when I am afraid, I will put my trust in thee, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? That's Psalm 56, 3 through 4. Eventually, I made these little scraps of paper into attractive business-sized cards that were held by a little packet like this that I called my rainy day packet, help in time of need or trouble. It was so convenient because I could stick it in my pocket and carry it with me everywhere in the hospital. And to this day, I'm constantly adding and updating the verses in my rainy day packet. When I began my quest for help in the scriptures, it was like I was reading the Bible for the first time all over again. Verses that were so familiar from years gone by suddenly were alive and fresh and extremely relevant. You see, when there's no real threats in our life or in my life, I didn't really need a super intimate relationship with God. I was already comfortable. And once that comfort zone was removed, I was forced to flee into the arms of my heavenly father and allow him to draw me nearer. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. 
Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. We're grateful to Catherine for sharing her heart with us on the podcast. What a powerful message to anyone going through difficulty in life. God's word is a treasure, a source of comfort in affliction. Join us on the next episode for part two of Sweeter Than Honey. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.